Today's scripture reading is Matthew 7, 15 through 29. Beware of the false prophets who will come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many, who say, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act in them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. When Jesus has, had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Keep a uh, marker in that uh, passage in Matthew. We'll be coming back to it in a little bit. We are in the book of Romans, chapter 1. We've just begun a new uh, series, and we're rushing through the introduction here, going way too fast. But we're trying to get through this in a few years. So, um, Paul is writing and introducing himself to a... Well, actually... There are probably three house churches in Rome at this time. And he's writing a letter to them. And he's trying to encourage them. And he's introducing himself. He knows a few people that we'll discuss when we get to chapter 16. And the people he's trying to give an introduction to is based upon his apostleship and who he is and his heart for them. So he's trying to communicate... Uh, how special they are to him. Uh, last week we covered that the believers are loved by God, chosen by God, blessed by God, unified by God, and adopted by God and driven by God. So he gave a bunch of reasons last week why, why the church should be thankful and why Paul is thankful for them and why they should be thankful, the gifts they receive from God. And, and then... He talks about how they live and how they show their faith. They live by faith, and believers talk about their faith. And that uh, beginning in, chapter, in verse 8 begins a long one sentence in Greek that will go all the way down to verse 15. So we're in the middle of trying to get the understanding of this passage. Now... Um, in my study, little, little little hint here, 
what goes on in my study. Every once in a while, I will stop and I'll pray for you guys. And that happened this week. I prayed for everyone that will be in attendance during the sermon this morning. And I prayed and asked God to prepare you for these two verses. So hopefully God has answered my prayers because you're here, one. But two, hopefully he's prepared your heart to hear this passage. This passage This passage will hit home to you. It'll hit you right between the heart. <laughs> this passage should affect you. You should have a reaction from studying these two verses. So, I've been praying for you. Uh, you need to know there are two things in, in the business place. Uh, not only must things be done right, which is management, things must be done right, but the right things must be done. <laughs> the right things must be done. That's leadership. So these two principles will take place this morning. Uh, you will manage your heart by making sure the right things get done. And then you will make sure that things are done right. <laughs> you'll do both. And, and you'll have to because this passage really, really, really will hit you in the heart. So I will ask you serious, hard questions. And I want you to know that I'm not throwing things at you unintentionally or without love. It may sound like a very unloving sermon, but it's not. It comes from my heart. Paul tries to show his love to the Roman churches. He has, he's trying to show the believers in Rome that he has a true love for their soul. Uh, true love for their soul begins when you experience the love at the cross. So if you have experienced love at the cross by being saved, you will have love for others. It's a natural byproduct of salvation. If you do not have love for others, if you do not have love for others, that is a clear indication that you've not experienced salvation. And the best thing you need this morning is to be saved. To turn to Jesus Christ as your Savior and only hope. Trust Him. When you have the love that comes from experiencing the cross, you will see the world lost and helpless, apart from Jesus Christ, and you will realize that the Lord came from heaven to save them, to do something about their problem. Because we've been redeemed, we desire His purposes to be satisfied and His sake for the loss to be brought to Him. So, 
If you have never experienced the love of the cross, you need to be saved. And if you have been saved because of the love of the cross, because of the love of the cross, you will love others that need to have a work done in their heart. There is a story about a little boy who was overheard, he was overheard praying for a pair of skates for Christmas. He wanted a pair of skates. And the moment came and the last package was being opened and there were no skates. Someone asked him why God had not answered his prayer. The boy thought for a moment and replied, he did answer. God said no. That is an interesting thing. One of the things we will find in our passage this morning is the subject of prayer and the will of God. The will of God and prayer. If you want to obey the will of God, you will be praying. And if you are praying, you're looking for the will of God. And this all begins with whether or not you have been saved at the foot of the cross. If you've been saved at the foot of the cross, you will pray. And you will be praying for the will of God. And you then will understand what is happening in these two verses that Paul is talking about. I will try this morning just to clarify your thinking. Just focus. Sunday morning, this morning, I went to the projector, and you know what I did? I focused it. <laughs> I didn't create the projector, I didn't make the projector, but I focused the projector. That's what I'm trying to do with these two verses. I'm trying to focus your spiritual view. Everybody with me? Everybody with me? Okay, this will, this will either be one of the greatest sermons you've ever heard or one of the worst. Okay? So here we go. Here we go. Romans chapter 1, verse 9. Verse 9. For God, whom I serve with my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. For God, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. First question this morning. How can you have an eternal impact upon someone this week? How can you have a spiritual impact, an eternal spiritual impact upon a person this week? Now, I told you it's going to be tough this morning, so we're starting with the tough one. Here you go. I want you to think of a person that you most likely will meet this week because you usually meet them every week. I want you to think of a person. First off, he cannot be a member of your family. Cannot be your spouse. Cannot be your kids. Cannot be your grandparents. Cannot be your cousins. It has to be somebody outside your family. I want you to think of this person, whoever he is, and when you 
come up with his name, I want you to raise your hand. We will wait until the entire auditorium is full of hands that are up. When you raise your hand, keep it up so I know when everybody has a person in their mind, a person they're thinking about, who they'll see this week that you want to make a spiritual impact, eternal spiritual impact on their lives. Hold the hand up. We will wait. Okay, there's still hands down. You got time. Think of a person. Think of a person. Almost every hand's up. We'll wait. Think of somebody that you want to make a spiritual impact upon. Okay. We're going to give you one more second. Okay, here you go. Put your hand down. I want you to think about that person. That person is going to be the person you think about at every point that we have this morning. How can you have an eternal impact upon someone's life? How can you have an impact? There you go. First step. I must have, by the way, the key word there is I, in order for that person to have a key spiritual impact, eternal impact, it takes you. You have to have a spiritual heart. You have to have a spiritual heart. In other words, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's going to be impossible for you to do this. Because your heart, according to Scripture, is dead. So it's hard for a dead thing to love anything because it's dead. When you accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, your heart becomes alive. And you will have a spirit part of you that will be able to love others. Notice what Paul says, whom I serve in my spirit, whom I serve in my spirit. A couple of things I want you to notice here. First off, the word service. You with a spiritual heart can serve others. The word service there means to hire to, or pay in servitude to be bound to or enslaved to somebody. Paul uses the word serve and he focuses his attention on his service in the vertical relationship between him and God. So when this word is used, Latorio, it's talking about you serving and it's in between you and God serving. And the only way you can serve God is if your heart is alive, if your spirit is alive, if you've been redeemed by the cross of Jesus Christ, if you've been saved. You have a spirit that can serve God. And you usually call that worship. And many times in the New Testament, that same word is used and it's translated into English, worship. 
So every time you see this word, you can either say service or you can say worship. Many times we use the word worship when we talk about what? Praise coming to church. Well, the problem is, technically, according to the word itself, we cannot worship in here. Usually, there's just like one person worshiping in here. And he's the one doing the work, serving you. Usually, uh, usually you got uh, uh, musicians or ushers, maybe, or whatever. But there are very few people worshiping on Sunday morning. Worship takes place when you leave the building. You do more worship on Sunday afternoon than you do on Sunday morning. You will go out and you serve somebody with your new heart. And hopefully that's what the preacher does, is he encourages you, so you go out and serve and worship God. So when you're serving, you are worshiping. When you are worshiping, you are serving. And... (laughs) He says that a servant needs to have a worshiper's heart to those you serve. And it has to be done in my spirit. See that? In my spirit. This is one of the few times Paul talks about his own spirit. It is from your inside, your heart, your inner part, your, your, your invisible aspect of you, your soul, whatever you want to call it, your immaterial part, that has to be the part of you that serves. You have to have the Spirit alive by the work of Jesus Christ so that you can serve others. If, you have, uh, if, you've not, if you've been saved, you can serve. If you've not been saved, you can't serve. And matter of fact, the problem is sometimes we expect non-believers to serve. And you can't expect non-believers to serve because they're not having the new heart comes from the heart. So, if your heart is right with God, if you've been saved, if you are living for Him, your spirit is alive. And you can serve in your spirit. That's what Paul says. His spirit is alive serving. His spirit is alive serving. It's the dimension of you that interacts with God. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit. God's Spirit works with our spirit. And our spirit is able to serve others and love them and minister to them and, and, and change their world. So, the person that you raised your hand about, whoever he is or she, The way you have to work with them to change their worlds, you have to first off be a believer. And you have to be a believer with a new heart, and you have to say, I'm going to serve them. You ready? You ready? Have I stepped on your toe enough yet? Wait, that's only point one. Here we go. Point two. For God, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness, has unceasingly I have made mention of you. How can you have an eternal impact on somebody's life? The person you raised your hand about. Number two, I must have a spiritual goal. I must have a spiritual goal. 
Your job as a believer in Jesus Christ is to have spiritual goals. You do not live for this earthly life. You do not live for this world that you see. You live because you're in heaven, (laughs) because your place is in heaven, your home is in heaven. You're an ambassador here on this world. You want to live in heaven, so everything you have has to have a heavenly goal. So you, when you look at your friend this week, you see a human being, but at the same time, you see a soul that needs help. If they're a believer, they need to grow in Jesus Christ. If they're a non-believer, they need to experience salvation. So you have a goal for them that is spiritual. And that is your goal for them. What it says in the preaching of the gospel of His Son. Your number one act of worship and service, or service and worship, is to share the gospel message. You make sure this person knows Jesus Christ. You share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. That is your spiritual goal for them. And if they know Jesus, you want them to grow in Jesus. Your personal concern is for everyone to believe the gospel message. You want them to understand who the message of salvation is about, His Son. You want everything about Jesus Christ to be communicated in your service to them because you have a spiritual goal for them. Third, how can you have an eternal impact on somebody's life? Verse 9, notice it begins, for God, and then comma, and then it takes away, and then it comes back. For God is my witness is out to, as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. For God is my witness. How can you have an eternal impact on somebody's life? If you want an eternal impact on somebody's life that you raised your hand about that person, the third thing you have to do is you have to have divine support. You have to have divine support. You do ask for God to work in your efforts of meeting and serving this other person that you raised your hand about. Whoever that is, you want God to help you and support you in the work. And God does this a number of ways. He gives you the Holy Spirit's power. He gives you the words to say. He gives you the strength to serve, to do whatever it is you need to do to have an impact upon this other person. You work with God's power. You do this so that God is glorified. For God. This talks about my God back in verse 8. Paul's speaking about his own secret prayer life. And he wants God that only God knows about. He wants his witness, his testimony, that he is praying for the people in Rome. You want God to be your witness. You want God to show himself through you as you're ministering and loving this person. You want God to work through you. And you want this to occur. You want to know that God is working through you. And if you are concerned about a person that you raise your hand about, you'll be praying for them. And if you're praying for them, there are people that are being that are praying for you.
Do you know how many people are praying for you? That you can do your ministry to someone else? There are people that are praying for you that God can work through you. You want God to work through you. You want people to pray that God works through you. You want God to work. Let's get to prayer. End of the verse 9. God is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Verse 10, always in my prayers making requests. How can you have an eternal impact on somebody's life? Fourth, I must have physical prayer. If you have your spiritual soul taken care of, you're correct with God, you've been saved, and then you, you are trying to go and, and grow, and you have a spiritual goal, you want a spiritual event to occur in this person's life, and then you have divine support, you got God's power, God's words, you got God helping you, you have everything you need. Now you pray. Now you pray. This person you raise your hand about, whoever he is, he needs to be the object of your prayers. You need to pray for God to work in that person's life. You have to have God work. And you need God, you need prayers. Lift that person up. Pray for them. Think about them. Set your watch to go off every hour so you pray for them. Every mealtime, pray for them. Every morning when you get up, pray for them. Every evening when you go to sleep, pray for them. Because Paul says... Not I. Paul says that he is praying, what's the word? Unceasingly. Unceasingly. Always making requests. Making mention. Unceasingly. I don't like that word. That means all the time. You and I are to be praying for people all the time. Now, I love this. You lifted your hand when you thought of a person you knew. Paul is praying for people that he doesn't know. He doesn't know them. He doesn't know who he's praying for. But he's praying for them constantly, always, making mention, making requests. He's praying for them, he's praying for them, he's praying for them. If, you, if Paul is praying for people he doesn't know, how should we be praying for people we do know? We are to pray for the people. We want God to work. Unceasingly. Continual prayers. Unceasingly. Praying not just for his friends, but he prays for people he's never seen. How about this? Ha, <laughs> here you go. A-level prayer. A-level, a prayer warrior. There you go. We'll make you a prayer warrior if you're praying for people you don't know. <laughs> That's a good prayer. You pray for people you don't know. 
That's a prayer warrior. That's good. That's the standard you want to be. You want to reach that standard of praying for people you don't know. Am I the only one having problems with that one? Which is harder, praying for people I don't know or praying for my grandkids? How do I do on that one? Pass or fail? We must have prayers. Praying always. Always. It's like Paul has a special scroll with prayer lists. He pulls it out every time he prays. The Jewish culture, normal prayer time for them was at uh, 9 o'clock when they had morning sacrifices, 3 o'clock when they had evening sacrifices. That would be the normal time for prayer. Paul not only thanks God for them, but he regularly prays for them. He, he Believers are to have a ministry of prayer. If that person... You want God to work in their lives in a supernatural way. Guess what you need to do? Pray for them. We need to pray more for those people that we raise our hand about. Okay? What do you pray for? What do you pray about? Fifth, verse 10. Always in my prayers, making requests, if perhaps at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. Here you go. Fifth, how can you have an eternal impact on somebody's life? Fifth, I must have a physical opportunity. I must have a physical opportunity. I must have a time where I physically can meet with this person where I can be with this person. I have to have a time where I can be with them. And then I got to be with them, talk to them, serve them, minister to them. And how do I do that? Well, I understand the will of God. I have to understand the will of God. Here, Paul puts four adverbs in a row. If perhaps, now at last. You don't find this in the New Testament too often at all. Shows the earnest desire which he had to see the people at Rome. He really wanted to see them. He wanted to see them by the will of God. Unconditional submission to God's will. A slave cannot order his life in accordance to his own wishes, He listens to his master's will. You, being bought at the cross, have a master, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one you listen to. He is, his will is the one you carry out. Sometimes we think this life is for us. This life is for us to serve our Lord and master. We are to do his will. Paul His primary concern was to follow God's leading, not to make up plans of his own. He wanted to come to Rome only at the time and way God chose. He was eager to do it, but it took him a long time. Took him a trip to Jerusalem. 
then prison, then judging, then a ship, then a shipwreck, finally getting to Rome. His eagerness was to serve God directly according to his will. It was worth nothing asking God for a long time. He had to wait patiently for God to answer. A servant needs to be a, have a submissive heart to God that you can serve. True prayer focuses on his name, his kingdom, and his will. Now, the will of God is probably one of the most misinterpreted things in the Bible. Uh, first, they get the problem of confusing the will of God with the sovereignty of God. Okay? The sovereignty of God is not the will of God. The sovereignty of God is the big circle, okay? Everything that happens in this world, good and bad, happens according to the sovereignty of God. Inside that circle is another circle, God's will. The Greek word for will means a desire. God's desire. This is what God desires or wants. The will of God is what God wants to happen. Now, there are a number of things that God wants to happen that don't take place in this world because of the sovereignty of God. They don't happen. God wills to do certain things, and those wills are not carried out or obeyed by us. So we disappoint the will of God by not doing the thing that God desires. So we come short of God's will. But we want God's will. Paul wanted God's will. Paul wanted to go to Rome, and he ended up in a prison ship going to Rome. Not the, probably the way he wanted to go. God's will may include doing things that are difficult for you. But that is completely God's will. God has desires for you to do things. God's will. Jesus, for instance, Jesus Christ. He tried to do God's will. By doing God's will, he did God's work. And guess what? He did it perfectly. He perfectly did the work of God, so he was perfectly in the will of God. For you to do the will of God this week, you have to do the work of God. 23 times we find in the New Testament the will of God. 23 times. And every time you find the will of God, it's always talking to a believer. If you're not a believer, you have no concerns about the will of God. Because you can't do it. But if you're a believer, the will of God is exactly what you want. You want to be in the will of God. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to give you three... Three... There you go. I'm going to give you a map. I'm going to give you a map of three roads. Okay? Now... Each of these roads may intersect with the others, but just hear me out. I'm going to give you three roads to go down. And if you're going down these three roads, you are headed in the direction of doing God's will. If you are not on these three roads, then you're definitely not doing God's will and definitely not pleasing Him and definitely will not have an impact, an eternal impact on anybody this week. Ready? Ready? Are you with me? 
You're on the road? Here we go. First road. God's will of desire. God's will of desire. God's will of desire. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Write it down. You probably won't have time to turn to all these. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved. Okay? God's desire is God's will. He wills that all men come to know Him. That is His desire. He wants all people to come to know His Son, Jesus Christ. He wants the salvation of everyone. That's His desire. Now, according to His sovereignty, that won't work. But He desires to meet everyone with the gospel message. The will of God is the only way to having peace with God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. So then, do not be foolish and understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine for this dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, God's will for a believer is to be filled with the Spirit. It seems that you can either do things this week filled by the Spirit or without the Spirit. And if you do it without the Spirit, you're sinning as a believer. But if you're in God's will, you're doing things by the power of the Holy Spirit. You will do things according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way to joy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. This is His will, the will of God, your sanctification. That is, you abstain from sexual immorality. Spiritual desire of God is for you to keep sex inside of marriage. He, he desires that you keep yourself pure. He desires that you grow in your sanctification. He wants you to grow in your walk with God. There are a number of things that God desires. Guess where we find them? In the Word of God, the Bible. In the Bible, we study the Bible to get in, insight into the will of God for us. So what we try to do is we try to do, go down this first road following God's will of desire. God's will of desire. Second road. <clears throat> this is easy. God's will of command. God's will of command. This is what God commands us to do. It's His revealed will. It's found in the Word of God. It is for His children because they are the only ones that can obey the commands of God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. The entrance into heaven, when you have your judgment of faith when you die, your faith will judge you, and you'll either go to Hades for torment, or you will go to heaven to be with Christ, and your faith will be judged. And what it will be judged on is doing the will of God. So God's desire for you as a believer is important, because that will determine where you go. And you can only do it if you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, you're doing what God wants you to do, you're reading His Word, and you're applying the Word to your life, and you live according to the commands of God. Obedience 
to his will is the test of true faith in Jesus Christ. There's no such thing as a disobedient believer. If you disobey the will of God, guess what? You're not a believer. Don't be surprised. When, by the way, when they got there, do you see the, what Jesus says? They said, Lord, Lord, you can use religious words and never fulfill the will of God. You can do religious things and never fulfill the will of God. You can attend church and never fulfill the will of God. You will fall short because you do not know, you do not have that spirit the new spirit, new heart. You don't have that insight that you can obey the will of God. If you obey the will of God, it's a sign that you're a believer. And when your faith is judged at your death, you'll go to heaven and be with your Savior, Jesus Christ. Third row, and they intersect, okay? The will of command, the will of desire, they intersect. Third row, God's will of purpose. God's will of purpose. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, you know this one. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. God works together all things. This is His purpose. God's will has a purpose to it, and it's to work together everything good for the believer. If you're on this road, you are following God's will, and God is producing good things. And one of the things that happens on this road, if you're doing it, God's purpose is for you to pray. 1 John chapter 5. You remember 1 John, don't you? I hope you do. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence which we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us, and He answers that prayer. If we pray according to His will, if we're on that road that is going down the road, and we're trying to follow His purpose, His will, we will pray according to His will. And guess what? When we pray... According to his will, God answers those prayers because that's what he desires, that's what he commands, and that's his purpose for you. And God works and answers that prayer, and God makes his actions seen. God's will is always for the children's good. Therefore, it's, it's only in ignorance we ask for things that are not for our good, and then, of course, our prayers are not answered when we ask for things that are not for our good. God does not answer prayers to violate his character, his desires, or his purpose. There'll be a separation one day from those that love the world and those that love the will of God. The believer desires to do what God desires, and we will surrender our will to his. Those are three roads. If you're on those three roads, if you're going and doing what God's purpose is for you, and you're doing what God commands, and, you do, and you're trying to fulfill what God desires, you are on the road of God's will. And then you pray, and God answers. You pray, and God answers. Go back to Romans, chapter 1, verse 10. If perhaps now at the last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. 
Six, how can you have an eternal impact on somebody's life? Here it comes. Now the rubber meets the road. Number six, I must have a physical service. I must have a physical time with the person. I must be with the person. I must go out of my way to be with the person you raised your hand about. You must go. But it only comes at the end of all the other things. You're right with God. (laughs) You have a spiritual goal. You have God's divine approval and support. And you know God's will is to do this or that with that person. And you do it. And then you get out and serve and minister. You succeed. That I may succeed. Literally be led along a good road. The right regard and all success and traveling depending upon God. He pray for success and safety from danger. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11. Now may our God and Father Himself and Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. God directs your way. And if you're praying, if you're praying for God works in the person's life, there'll be an opportunity God will open up so that you can go serve them. And you spend time with them. And God works through you. (laughs) And God will direct you. And He'll even give you the words to say. He even gives you the words to say. And then God will work in that person's life. And you will have (laughs) a person eternally changed. Application. Do I have a spiritual relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ? And will I fulfill the spiritual goal that God has given me to worship Him him with? Do I have a spiritual relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ? And will I fulfill the spiritual goal that God has given to me to worship Him with? God gives you the things you need so that you can worship Him. And it's all connected to prayer and the will of God. If you're trying to serve God, you have to be praying. If you're trying to serve God, you have to know the will of God. You have to pray, will of God, service, worship. Then God works. And you can touch people's lives. That person you lifted your hand about, God is wanting to work in their life. And He wants to use you to work in their life. Prayer. It works. Early spring, 1877. 1877. 1877. Bill, was that before your birthday? Yes, 1877. A long time ago. Minnesota farmers surveyed their land that was dreaded by the first horde of locusts that had caused widespread destruction the summer before. They had such a threatened plague again the next year that it was going to destroy the wheat lands and ruin the lives of thousands of farmers. Governor Pillsbury, John Pillsbury, proclaimed April 26 a day of fasting and prayer, urging every man and woman and child to ask for divine help. The land prayed. Minnesota prayed. 
Next morning, the sun rose up, cloudless sky. Temperature soared, midsummer heat. People looked up in the skies and wondered, and to their horror, they saw the warm earth begin to stir the dreaded insects, locusts. Three days passed. After three days of heat, locusts seemed to be growing, getting bigger. The army was growing. Threatened to take over all the farms. On the fourth day, the sun went down, cold sky, night frost gripped the earth, and every one of the locusts were destroyed. God answered the prayer. You pray this week, God can do great things. If you pray this week, by the will of God, God can do great things through you. God can change the life of the people that you love. If you're willing, if your heart is right, if your soul is right, if your spiritual goal is right, if you have divine support, if you have the will of God, you can do great things this week. Father, I thank you for this time in your word. I pray, Father, you help us that we do great things this week that we don't just do what we normally do, Father, but that we do exciting, God-glorifying things. That next Sunday, Father, we can come together with great stories of how you worked through us as we did God's will, as we prayed prayers, as you worked through us, Father, for your glory and honor. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be a God... (laughs) fearing church, doing God's will at God's time, being patiently praying and asking for you to work. I pray, Father, personally for every person that was thought about as we raised hands. I pray for every single person that you would work in their life, that you would help us to have an impact upon them spiritually. This week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.